Trinity Baptist Church. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 3,000 feet between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And Joshua told the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Spring. Good morning. I know we've already greeted each other, but... I want to take that greeting a little bit further for the next couple of moments. I, w- I want you to turn to two, maybe three people around you um, that you don't really know. Uh, so if you're sitting next to your spouse or your, your best friend, you might have to move a little bit. But I want you to first just introduce yourself. I'm Keith. Um, tell them how long you've been at Trinity. Been here 22 years. Um, And then I want you to, in 30 seconds, tell them of one thing that you are excited about that's that that you're anticipating. Something that's a that's going to happen over the next few weeks or few months, or that you see on the horizon that you're excited about. Okay, got it. Ready, go. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stop. And if somebody like Bob says, man, I don't know if there's anything exciting in my life, then just stop and pray for him, all right? Okay? Pray that he would get a life, all right? Ready? Go. Go. That wasn't so scary? Good. Good. I'm glad to get that endorsement. Appreciate that. Um, I've got some really exciting things happening. Um, the summer, this summer is going to forever be known in our family as the summer of 2014. Um, really, you know, a catchy phrase. Um, 
in June, we have three, three kids graduating in the span of 11 days. Um, on the 13th, Claire graduates from high school here in the city. On the 15th, Hannah graduates from college on the West Coast. Um, and then on the 24th, we come back and Benjamin graduates from high school um, back here. So in 11 days, we're going to be on two coasts at three graduations. Um, so I'm really excited about that. That's very cool. It gets better. In July, July the 26th, my daughter Hannah, who will have just graduated from, from college, is getting married. So that's very cool. And we, we love him, so that's awesome. Um, and then the next month, in August, we're going to be moving two kids into colleges somewhere. We don't know where that is. So those are all awesome things, but probably the thing I'm most excited about in the summer of 2014 is that by the end of August, um, my wife, um, with whom I will celebrate my 30th anniversary in August, um, we will be empty nesters. (laughs) Oh, man. I am so excited about that. Um, But, to be totally honest, I'm also a little terrified. Um, Because I don't know what that's going to look like. I mean, we've been doing the parenting thing now for 22 years. And um, and in a lot of ways, our lives have kind of revolved around kids and kids stuff and all that and and you know I love my children and so to to send one of them off to forever um hopefully uh, to you know to get married that I mean that's gonna break my heart um I mean I'm thrilled but it's gonna be hard and to watch my kids go to college I'm thrilled but that's going to be hard, and, and having time with my wife and just she and I, that, I'm excited about that, but I'm a little scared too because I'm not sure what that's going to look like. I think that all of us, when we're, when we're talking about things that we're excited about, things that we're anticipating, can, can also relate to the idea that with that excitement comes a little bit of fear, comes a little bit of apprehension because a lot of those things, there's some unknowns. And so in some way, maybe just even in a small way, we can appreciate what Israel was going through on the banks of the Jordan in Joshua chapter 3. Because they have been in the wilderness for 40 years. And right now they are standing on the brink of entering into the promise that they've been looking at not just for a few days or not just for a, a few months, but they've been anticipating it for four decades. And they know that this is a great land. This is a land that God has promised them. But they also know that there's a fortified city called Jericho over there. They also know that there are chariots of iron. They also know that there are so-called giants in the land. And so while there's great excitement, there's also a little fear. Maybe a lot of fear. Um, Friends, we are in this um, series called Taking New Ground. 
where we are looking at the parallels between what was going on with Israel and, and, and their situation and, and how that really um, impacts us. What, what are the takeaways for us? How, what is God saying to us um, through their situation? And we've seen a number of we've seen a number of characteristics of of what it means to take new ground, of what it means to be ground takers, if you will. This morning we're going to look at three more. But what I want us to to just keep in mind as we begin to look at chapter three is that God didn't save us out of the bondage um, of slavery to sin just to leave us right there. God didn't bring Israel out of Egypt to leave them in the wilderness. Moses said to the the nation in in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he says, God didn't bring us out of Egypt to leave us in the wilderness. God brought us out of Egypt to take us into the land of promise. Friends, the same is true for us. God didn't save us from sin and death just so that, okay, now you get to go to heaven. Salvation is the first step into this new life of promise that God wants us to experience. In, in Joshua chapter 13, it says that, um, that there was still more land for them to conquer. And that's true for all of us. There's still more. Or as Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 13, it says, or chap- chapter 6, he says, let us go on to maturity. Let's not just stop where we are. Okay, I'm saved, I'm in, I'm good. Now let's, let's walk into this adventure, this abundant life that Jesus came to give us. So let's look at Joshua chapter 3. And as you're turning there, um, <coughs> or thumbing there, or Joshua is the sixth book of our Bible. You have the Pentateuch, um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the five books of the law, and then you get into the historical section of the Bible, which begins with the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter three. Uh, We've, we saw in chapter 1 that to be a ground taker, to take new ground, it requires courage. It requires that we understand the scriptures, that we um, understand what God is telling us, that we do things God's way. We saw from chapter 2 that in the story of Rahab that it really starts with this uh, understanding of Jesus and this absolute trust in Him. That's risk-taking faith, and we're going to see a little bit more about that in a minute. Joshua chapter 3. There's three characteristics of ground-takers that we're going to see in this text. Starting in verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are the Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. There's something mentioned in verse 3 that 
that we haven't seen yet in the book of Joshua, but if you just continued to read through chapter 3 and chapter 4, you would see it mentioned 15 times in two chapters. Um, Just a, a little Bible study FYI. If something is repeated over and over and over in the scriptures, it's probably important. Okay? And if you see something mentioned 15 times in two chapters, you probably need to pay attention to it. What is that thing that was, that's mentioned in chapter 3? The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. This is an important thing. The Ark has been inspiring people intriguing people for 3,000 years. Um, Even Hollywood. Remember Indiana Jones and and Raiders of the Lost Ark? That's the ark we're talking about. Um, This ark was was a large, ornate box that, that contained articles that were sacred to the nation of Israel. It held um, the stone tablets of the law that God had given Moses on Mount Sinai. It held the the scrolls of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. It held um, a jar of manna that represented the the provision that God had 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 for the people while they were in the wilderness. Um, But above all, the ark represented the, the presence and the leading of God. Because it was, it was understood to be the, um, the portable throne of the invisible God. So wherever there, it, and I, I should have gotten a picture, but the way it was um, built, there were two cherubs on, on either end of, of the cover of the ark with their wings stretched out across the cover. And, and between the wings was known as the mercy seat. And that's where Israel believed the presence of the Lord resided. So wherever the ark was, that's where God was. So Joshua tells the people, he says, when you see the ark, follow the ark. Why? Because it's only when we follow the Lord that we know which way to go. Joshua and the officers didn't say, hey, follow us, men. We're going across the river. You know, this is not a John Wayne movie. Uh, These leaders knew that they couldn't cross the Jordan at this point um, because, and we'll see in in verse 15, that the Jordan is at flood stage at, at this time of year. So this is not a a little trickling creek. This is a raging river that is in front of them. And these leaders recognize that in order for Israel to be anything more than a migratory people with illusions of grandeur, they needed to follow the Lord. Um, The mission of our church is to take people to deeper intimacy with the Savior. And uh, last week, a uh, week and a half ago, 
I was with about 40 of our leaders, and, and I asked them the question, what are some characteristics, what are some things that would be on display in people's lives if they were actually growing deeper in their intimacy with the Savior? And here are some of the things that they said. This is not the whole list, but th- these are some of them. Knowing and applying the Scriptures. A life marked by prayer, exhibiting a humility that is demonstrated through service, good stewards of their finances, shares their faith through word and deed, is authentic and accountable and self-controlled, walks by the Spirit, joyfully accepts correction. And there were more. Um, The point is that our leaders believe that if... If we as individuals and we as a church are following after the Lord, these things will be on display in our lives. Question, was there anything that I read that you went, hmm, I really need to grow in that area? Anything? Are we all good on all those things? No. Was there anything that I read where you went, hmm, I'm not even really sure how to grow in that area? That's a way that we've never been before. So how do we get there? There are, there are challenges and opportunities in front of all of us that we're not crystal clear on how to navigate. But the, the message of this text is that if we will follow after the presence and the leading of God, we will be able to take new ground. God will do these things in our lives. So here's the first point. Ground takers are people of God who follow the presence slash leading of God. If you're going to take new ground, you have to follow the ark. You have to follow the presence of God, the leading of God. Second, look at verse 5. And I'm taking way too long. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Here's the thing. Some promises of God are unconditional promises, right? You believe it, it happens. But there are some promises of God that are conditional promises. If you do this, then I will do this. And it's not a matter of earning God's favor by doing this so that he will do this. No, it's it's a matter of preparing ourselves so that he can do this. That's the conditions that God puts on promises. And here, there is a conditional promise. The conditional promise is, I'm going to do amazing things among you, but first you got to do what? Consecrate yourself. What does it mean to consecrate? To consecrate means... To, um, to set apart, to dedicate to. Joshua is, tell, Joshua is telling the people, get yourself ready. Set yourself apart. Get your mind and your soul ready because we're about to go, go and God is about to do something great, but we've got to be prepared so that he can. Question. Do you believe that God wants to do something really great in you? One person whispered, yes. Yeah? Do you really believe that God wants to do something really great in you? Do you really believe He wants to do something really amazing through you? 
So what do you have to do to get ready for it? You got to consecrate yourself. You got to set yourself apart for that purpose. Ground taking people are people that dedicate themselves to the purpose of God. Friends, if, if, you, if you really want to take new ground in your life spiritually, if you really want to see God do amazing things, you have to dedicate yourself to that. You can't just sit back and say, okay, God, bring it on. This is not one of those promises where you just believe it and you receive it. This is one of those things where he says, if, then. And we've got we've to play our part. And that's not easy. That means that there's probably going to be some sacrifice involved. There's going to be some surrender involved. There's going to be some submission to his will. But... Friends, if we don't get serious about growth, if we don't dedicate ourselves to the purpose of God in our lives, then it's not going to happen. We will stay on the west side of the Jordan and we will not cross over. It's guaranteed. Third, look at verse 8. The Lord says to Joshua, Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Skip, skip down to verse 13. And as soon as the priests who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage, all during harvest. In, in other words, at this point in time, it's almost a mile wide of raging water, okay? Um, Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away, a, a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down the sea to the uh, Arabah, the salt sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed crossing on dry ground. You see what happened? I, I love this scene. I just, God does this amazing thing of stopping the Jordan just like he did parted the Red Sea. Um, so that the people can cross on dry ground. But what had to happen first? What had to happen first? The priest had to step into the water. The priest had to get their feet wet. Friends, trusting God to do amazing things means that we have to have faith that believes that he will do the amazing thing. So much faith that while the water is still rushing, we say, I'm stepping in. Because I trust him. Because this is what he's called me to do. If we are going to be ground takers, we have to exhibit the same kind of risk-taking faith. We, We have to be like those priests who, who get their feet wet 
And don't wait for God to do the thing, but step into what God has promised to do. Ground takers are people who pursue the promise faithfully. How many priests are here this morning? Okay, let me ask this another way. How many of you are followers of Jesus? Okay, all of you are priests. Do you know that? Everybody who is a follower of Christ is a priest, according to the Scriptures. We can read texts like this and say, well, the people didn't step in, only the priest stepped in. Well, guess what? That's you, if you're a follower of Jesus. Because in Exodus chapter 19, God promises Moses that he's going to make Israel into a nation of priests. And that's exactly what he does through Christ. Peter, in 1 Peter 2, Peter says, you, speaking to all believers, he says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. If we are going to demonstrate to the world that we have indeed been called out of darkness and into God's glorious light, if we are going to experience this abundant life that Jesus came to give us so that the world might see it and say, I want that too, we have to live like what we are, namely a royal priesthood. And royal priesthoods, how do I say this? People who are royal priests... (laughs) get their feet wet. They step into the river because they are faithfully pursuing the promise of God. Now, before the service, we were praying and, and Beth, Beth had, had this great phrase. She said, she said, Lord, help us not be okay with okay. And I thought, that's, that's this message. Because I think a lot of us are okay with okay. We're thinking, you know what? I, yeah, I think God might have some great things for me. You know, I think there's room for me to grow. But I'm okay. And I'm okay with okay. Can I tell you that God's not okay with Okay. And the way we know that God is not okay with okay is because the first time Israel was on the brink of the Jordan 40 years prior, there were a bunch of people who said, I'm okay with okay. So we're not going to go in. And do you remember what God did with those folks? He winnowed them and winnowed them and winnowed them over 40 years so that they never got to experience the promise of God. We could look at the text um, in, in Numbers 13 and 14. But I don't have time. Let me just read, let me just read what happens. Um, our... Um, 
the na- you know you know what happens, right? The nation comes to Jordan. God, they send these twelve leaders in, one representative from each of the tribes, and they go in, and they all come back, and they come back with this report to the people: Hey, the land is awesome. Um, here's the fruit of the land. They show them, but then ten of the twelve say, "Yeah, but it's a little risky." There's some big guys over there. And Caleb stands up and says, yeah, there's some big guys over there, but we can take them because the Lord's called us to go. And that's the promise. And let's go. But then the, those 10 went around and they kind of, they brought down the morale of everybody saying, oh, yeah, they were Eeyore. You know, it's going to rain. It's, you know, just bemoaning everything. And then in chapter 14, this is Numbers 14, and in verse 11 it says, The Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? Isn't that sad? God's brought them to a promise. God's brought them to this land that is awesome. This blessing that's ahead of them. And they're saying, I'm okay with okay. How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in, believe in me in spite of all the miraculous signs I've performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I will make you into a greater and stronger nation than they. See what God says? God says, everybody who's okay with okay, they're not going in. And I'm going to winnow them and winnow them and winnow them. And at the end of this time, the people that are left are going to be stronger and greater. And they're going in. You know the rest of the story. It's exactly what God did. It's not okay to be okay with okay. And if you find yourself in that place where you're saying I'm okay then I just need to I just need to warn you God's going to winnow you if you're satisfied with the status quo then God's going to let you live in the status quo and you will never experience the abundant life that he has for you you just won't and that's so sad we are we're in a, a critical place in the life of our church. You look around and we got a lot of empty seats. We've got a lot of empty seats uh, in the next service. We are running a significant deficit financially um, against budget. A budget that we have agreed to as a congregation. And we're trying to make changes. We're trying to make changes that we are confident, we, the leadership of the church, are confident that the Lord has called us to so that we can um, take new ground. So that as individuals, we can grow into those, those things that we know demonstrate intimacy with the Savior. We, we're trying to, to do what we believe God has called us to so that we can step into this promise of the abundant life that he has for us. The more is better life. But as individuals, we all have a choice to make. We can choose, I'm okay with okay. Yeah, the, 
the other side, the great things that I believe God has in store for me, the great things that I believe God wants to do through me. Yeah, I believe those things, but it's a little too risky. I'm going to stay on this side of the Jordan. I'm okay with okay. You can choose that. But if you choose that, God will winnow you. The other choice is we can choose to trust God. We can choose to be ground takers who follow the presence, the leading of God, who dedicate ourselves to the purpose of God, and who faithfully pursue the promise of God. We can choose to be those kind of people. And that's going to call for some sacrifice, and that's going to call for some surrender of our will to His. But the upside is awesome. Yeah, there's, there's excitement about what's over there, but there's also a little fear. I'm not exactly sure what's over there, but I can tell you that if the Lord is leading, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. So one of the themes of the book of Joshua is um, where Joshua ends this whole story in Joshua chapter 24. He says, um, choose this day whom you're going to serve. And that's kind of a, that's a recurring theme throughout the whole book. And I think that's the question or the, the choice that's before us in chapter 3. Who are we going to follow? Who are we going to serve? Are we going to serve ourselves? Are we going to serve uh, our uh, comfort with the status quo? Are we going to serve the, the God who calls us to conquer this new land that is filled with milk and honey and fruit that is beyond imagination. Yeah, there's some fear in that There's because there's some big people over there and there's some chariots of iron. Yeah, 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 but God will take that. We need to be people who follow after the presence of God, who dedicate ourselves to the purpose of God, and who faithfully pursue the promise of God. We need to be people who when God calls and God gives us this vision for what's next, we say, say, God, okay, I'm stepping in. Let me pray for us. Lord, change is scary because even as Israel didn't know where they were going because they'd never been that way before, as we try to step into these blessings that you have for us, if, if we've never experienced them before, we don't know how to get there. But Lord, we know that you have called us. That that Jesus' mission statement was that he came to give us life and life to the full. We want that. We're just not sure how to get there sometimes. So Lord, I pray that that you would help us um, learn from from Israel's experience at the Jordan. And that we wouldn't allow fear to rule. We wouldn't allow okay to be okay. But we we would choose this day that we want to serve you. And we want to follow you. We want to dedicate ourselves to you. And we want to faithfully pursue the promise that you have before us. And so, Lord, as we come to the table this morning, I pray that, that we would just 
think about this and that we would think about what you did to give us life, what you did to offer us the abundant life. And that as we come to the table, we would, we would choose that today we're going to follow you with all we have and we're going to get our feet wet for your namesake. Amen.